The following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. Here we are on the eve of our, our New Year. It's right around the corner this Tuesday, uh, New Year's Eve, and the New Year will be here on Wednesday, entering into a new year in a new decade, 2020. And I'm, I'm a little disappointed, honestly, because by 2020, I was hoping that our cars would be flying and, uh, you know, kind of the Jetsons or, or you just have those hovering skateboards like Back to the Future. But unfortunately, none of that is happening. But I believe God has some great things for us in this next year and in this new year. But every time the new year comes around, I anticipate it. I look forward to it. I love the new year. Anybody else, you love just the new beginnings a time to start fresh, a, start, a time to, to dream about possibilities and what the new year holds. And maybe some of you uh, set goals. You know, this is a time of year, maybe you look at the new year and say, okay, here's some goals, here's some things I wanna accomplish in this upcoming year. Here's some things that I want to, to, to see happen, some changes that I wanna make, maybe some things I wanna do, and maybe some things that I wanna stop doing um, may also what's known as like New Year's resolutions. And researchers say that about 60% of us, so uh, a little bit of the majority, 60% of us will set New Year's resolutions. But the bad news is, is that out of that 60%, only 88%, only 8% of them will actually accomplish all of the resolutions that they set out to accomplish. Are you feel encouraged by that statistic? You feel like, thank you for the great, wonderful news, the encouragement, Jody, for encouraging me today. And so, you know, we, we can make our plans, and we should, and we should set goals, and we should um, set our sights on things that we want to change and things that we want to do. But as followers of Christ, I believe there's really just one central thing that we're, we're to really be about. And the scripture speaks of this all throughout scripture. And we're going to look at a letter by the Apostle Paul where he references this, this one thing. And, and this one thing, though, I believe is instrumental. And if you can picture with me a, a bullseye, and if you've ever played darts or maybe uh, had, you know, aimed it at a bullseye, you can see that you know, getting on the target is good. But really what you're aiming for is what's right in the center, the bullseye. That's really what you're going for. And while we can set our goals and our resolutions and make our plans and maybe we get on the target, really what's most important is hitting that bullseye. That if we can look back at the end of this year and even the end of this decade and we can look back and say, I hit the bullseye because I focused on this one thing. And I believe that this one thing is not, doesn't eliminate everything else, that actually everything else can flow out of this one thing. Because most, most of us probably have the same New Year's resolutions or the same goals, even if we haven't written them down officially, they're somewhere in our heart, in our minds, and maybe it's something like eating healthier, right? Maybe it's exercising more. Maybe it's saving more, spending less, getting out of debt. Maybe it's focusing more on my family and less, maybe spending less time away from family, working on relationships. These are all similar things that we share and goals that we're hoping to obtain. 
And, and, and we don't lay those things aside and we don't want to neglect those things. But I believe that we can focus on one central thing. And as we continue to focus on this one thing, everything else will flow out of it. So let's look, look with me. It's in Philippians uh, chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, what the Apostle Paul writes. And this is a letter, and he's actually in prison writing this letter, if you can imagine that. And he's writing to other believers, a church in Philippi. And this is what he says. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing, everyone say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I have committed my life to one thing. There's one singular thing that I do. One thing that my life is about. And that one thing, as you've probably already guessed, is Jesus. It's to live for Christ. My focus is on living for Christ, the Apostle Paul says. He, he speaks it even plainer at the beginning of this letter in Philippians chapter one. He says this statement, and if you've been around church at any time at all, you've probably heard this, and he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, my life is all about Jesus. My life is all about Christ. That is my life. My life is Christ. To live is Christ. That is my sole purpose. That is the bullseye on the target. That is what's driving me. That is what I am pursuing. That is what I am going after. This one thing, to live for Christ. And everything else will flow out of this one thing. Warren Worsby is a Bible teacher and an author and has written uh, several Bible commentaries. And he makes this statement he says that too many Christians are too involved in many things when the secret of progress is to concentrate on one thing. And that one thing is Jesus. That one thing is following after Jesus, is pursuing God. That is our one thing. And can I encourage us today that this one thing is not reserved for quote-unquote professional Christians. It's not just reserved for pastors and evangelists. But it is as if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that is, should be your one thing as well. That you are to be like Christ. Christian means Christ, like, like Christ, or literally means little Christ. That Jesus wants to look at you and say, oh, there's my mini-me's. <laughs> that we are to be like Christ. We are to be his ambassadors. That when we go into our home, when we go into our workplace, when we go into our school, that we are representing Jesus Christ. Amen. And pursuit of Christ's likeness and living for Jesus should be the central theme of all of our lives. Because when Jesus is the center when our focus is on Christ. 
Matthew chapter 6 says it, seek first my kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. Again, we see this picture of the one thing of focusing on God, pursuing God, and everything else will come into play. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that it's some magic formula and you wave your hand and everything just falls into place. The dishes are done. The kids are behaving. You know, the paycheck comes without you even showing up to work. You know, you don't have to study for the exam. You pass everything. It's not some kind of magical uh, thing that we do. But when our focus is on Christ, when Jesus is central in all that we're doing, guess what? Your relationships are better. Because you're, you're focusing on loving God and loving people, and you're not as easily irritated. You become a better employee because you're working unto Christ and not unto men. You become a better parent. You become a better student. You manage your money better because you understand that this is not my own, that I've been entrusted. I'm a steward of everything that I own and it belongs to Christ. That, that even you under, begin to have a greater understanding that my body is the temple of God. Therefore, I'm going to, to make healthier choices. And when you put Christ as the center, then, then everything else will begin to come into place. But again, I understand just as Paul said that I, I haven't arrived I, you know, we never really arrive, right? We never really achieve it, but we're to continue to press on towards that goal, press on to, to, to allowing God to shape us and becoming more like Christ. That is our one thing. But interestingly enough that Paul says there is one thing, but he actually lists three things in this passage of scripture that help us to become more Christ-like. Three things that we are to do as we are pursuing Christ, three things that will help us in becoming more like Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, first thing I want us to see that Paul tells us in this passage of scripture is to leave the baggage of your past in your past. Leave the baggage of your past in your past. In the middle part of Philippians uh, chapter three, verse 13, he says, forgetting what is behind? Forgetting what is behind. Paul is saying that as Jesus is the one thing, as my, my, my central focus in life, I realize I need to leave the past behind me in order to pursue Jesus. Now, the word forget does not mean that our memory is wiped. And some of us would say, there's a few things in my life that I would like to forget, that I truly wish that I could not remember. And, and Paul is not encouraging us to be in denial. Paul is not encouraging us to suppress memories. That word forget means to no longer be influenced or affected by. So you may mentally remember your past, right? But it shouldn't be affecting your present and your future. It shouldn't be influencing the way that you live your life. That's what Paul is saying by, I forget my past, that I, I leave those things in the back. And so we're not to check our brains or check our mind or our memory at the door when we follow Jesus, but we are to check our baggage at the cross, 
We lay our past at the feet of Jesus. And we don't allow it to affect us or to influence that. We move forward and pursue what God has in front of us. Now listed there in your notes are three declarations that I'd like for us to make together. And because we're to change our perspective and our attitude about the past. And here are, are three things that I want us to determine and declare. Let's, let's read this first one together. It's right there in your notes. Everybody ready? Let's read this together. That's who I was, but it's not who I am. That's who I was, but it's not who I am. And everyone said, amen. When I think about my past and I think about who I was, BC, before Christ, when I, preacher joke there, in case you didn't get that. When I think about who I was before Christ, I'm thankful that's not who I am. I'm thankful that the person that I used to be is not who I am today. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's us. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, that's you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what has happened to you, regardless of what you've been through, and guess what? That past could be five years ago, 15 years ago, or it could be five minutes ago. That God's forgiveness is available to us as followers of Jesus and that we have a new life in him. The second declaration, let's say this together. That's what I did, but it's not what I do. God has given us a new way of living our life because of Jesus that we act a different way. We behave a different way. We talk a different way. We think a different way. We have different motivations in our life. The things that motivate the world, the things that motivate our culture do not motivate us. We are motivated by serving Jesus, by loving people and loving God and bringing honor to his name. There's a story in Luke chapter 19 of a man who was a tax collector. And a tax collector, he had an official job, but really a lot of what happened, unfortunately, was they would take advantage of people. They would go and they would collect taxes that were, were due to the government, but they would they would often overcharge and pocket extra money for themselves. And they would become wealthy off of taking advantage of other people. That, that's what some people would call a low life. You know, someone is taking advantage of people who are in need and living off the benefits of it for themselves. And the thing about it is everyone would know and it would be apparent. But Zacchaeus encountered someone, which many of us in this room have encountered, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And Zacchaeus used to go around taking money from people, pocketing the, the expense himself and living off of this money. But when he encountered Jesus, he realized, that's not who I am anymore. That's not what I do. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 8. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. 
Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Here's the thing. Zacchaeus, he says, I'm going to repay people four times as much as I've took from them. And then on top, top of that, I'm going to take half of my wealth and I'm going to give it to people in need. Not just the people that I've cheated. Not just the people that I've done wrong. But I'm going to give to people that are in need. I am completely doing 180 degrees, turning around my life. This is what I used to do, but now this is what I do. The next declaration I'd like for us to make together, let's, let's speak this together out loud and loudly. That's what happened to me, but it doesn't define me. Unfortunately, there are things in our lives that happen to us. And often there, you know, sometimes there are things that, circumstances that we've created, and therefore there's the, the results of that or things begin to happen to us. But other times, there are things that happen to us that were really out of our control. They were completely out of our control. Things that happened to us, we were taken advantage of. We were done wrongly and it really had nothing to do. And we were just minding our own business or maybe even we were doing the best that we could. And we, were, we were doing right. We were following Jesus and these circumstances happened to us. These things happened to us. But can I encourage you today? Can I, can I let you know today? Can I give you, can I speak joy and hope into your life that just because something happened to you, it does not define you. You are not a victim. You are a victor. And I don't want to diminish the hurt and the pain, but I want you to step out of that hurt and pain and into the healing and the wholeness that God has provided for you. There's a guy by the name of Joseph one of the favorite people that we read about in Scripture, in the, in, the, in the history of Scripture. And Joseph was a guy who loved God and wanted to follow God and, and do his best to honor God. But he had a lot of things that would happen to him. And it all started by those that were closest to him, by family. And many of you know this story, but if you don't, there's Joseph was a favorite of all of his brothers. His dad loved him the most. And he poured blessing upon him, and therefore his brothers became jealous. And it came to the point where they were actually plotting to kill him. They're going to kill their brother. But they decided instead, instead of killing him, that they're going to sell him into slavery. They're going to profit off of him. And they'll tell their dad that a wild animal killed him. And so they go, they go forward with this, and Joseph is sold into slavery, and he ends up... Um, at a house by a guy named Potiphar. And Potiphar um, begins to, to turn favor on Joseph. And Joseph uh, works unto the Lord and gives his best and works hard and makes the best of the situation that he's in. And, and he's put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. But unfortunately, Potiphar's wife had her eye on him. And she ac wrongly accused him of rape as she approached him and he ran away and she was upset about it. And so she told Potiphar that Joseph attempted rape against her. And so he was wrongly accused. And therefore he was thrown into prison. He went from being a slave to now being a prisoner. It doesn't look like things are not up and to the right for Joseph. 
They're down and to the left. But as God would have it that he was actually moving him closer to where he needed to be. He was moving him closer to a place of promotion. And the time would come when Pharaoh needed an interpretation of a dream. And God used Joseph to interpret the dream and therefore promoted Joseph to second in command of all of Egypt. And then fast forward, there was a famine in the land and his brothers and his family were in great need and they find themselves before Joseph. And, it, and, it, and it would have it that time would pass and Joseph's father would die and his brothers became afraid because they figured, okay, now that dad is dead, Joseph is gonna have it out for us. He's gonna kill us. He's gonna have his revenge. But here's what Joseph said. But Joseph said to them, speaking to his brothers, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you, your children, and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph said, you tried to kill me. You tried to ruin my life. You tried to sell me into slavery, but God used it for his good. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that if you're facing tragedy, if you're facing uh, difficult situations, I'm not saying that God has brought those upon you. But what I am saying is that God can use those things, that in spite of those, and what Satan intends for evil, God can use for his good. What Satan intended to harm you, God can use to promote you and bring about glory for him in your life. Leave the baggage of your past in your past. Secondly, live for God's purpose in the present. Live for God's purposes in the present. So we want to leave our baggage. We want to leave our past in the past. But we need to live for God's purposes in the present. In the last part of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, in the latter part of that verse, it's, Paul says, I'm straining towards what is ahead. So he says, I, I forget about what's behind and I strain towards what is ahead. And at first glance of reading that scripture, I, my mind automatically went to what Paul is chasing after is something that is distant. It's something that's far off. It says straining towards what is ahead. But when you begin to look up the, the phrase straining toward in the original language, you understand that it actually means to grab what is in front of you, or literally means to grab what is in your face. Let me ask you this morning, what's in your face? What's in front of you? Today is in front of us. The current season that you're in right now has purpose. Paul says, I forget about the past. I move on from the past. I don't let it influence me. But I live every day with purpose. The psalmist says, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, in today, in this day, what is right in front of me. 
And we spend most of our time preoccupied with the past or worried about the future, and we don't live for today. And I think as followers of Jesus, being present is countercultural. It's counter to the way that the world that we live in lives. I mean, and I don't think that's any more true than the day and age we live in today. There's so much distraction. There's so much comparison. There's so much that we can be preoccupied with. But as followers of Jesus, that we are to live every moment, every day with purpose. Every day matters. Today matters. The season that you're in matters. God's purpose is not off in the distance. God's purpose is in today. We just celebrated the Christmas season. And Jesus, one of the names of Christ, is referred to as Emmanuel. God with us. He's with us today. He's present. Even though we walk through the valley of the shallow death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Wherever I am, there's nowhere that we can go to hide from him. He is present. He is not off waiting at the finish line for us. He's not in some distant place. God is with us today. And there is purpose in our days. If you are a parent and you're in a season and and you're with your young children and it feels like the days are, are long sometimes and go by fast and doesn't seem like there's much purpose in your day. And maybe in your heart, you have these dreams and your ambitions and these things that you want to do and you want to do great things for God, but you, you kind of just feel like you're in this season and, and it's hard for you to see purpose in it. Can I tell you that maybe the greatest thing that you do in life is not something that you do. It's someone that you raise. And the greatest impact in, that you may have in this life is not about something that you accomplish or achieve or an activity that you do, but it's someone that you invest in. It's someone that you raise. That maybe when you go go to work and every day just seems like the same thing over and over and you're going through a routine and it doesn't seem to have much purpose and you often dream about something else that gives you more purpose. That purpose is not something that, that, again, that is out there. Purpose is given to you by God because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and that when you walk up to that water cooler or the coffee machine or go by the cop- copier or p- pass someone and have a conversation and show the love of Christ to them, you are doing a great work. God is in every moment, and it's opening our eyes to see him in the present day. John Mark Comer, who's a pastor and author, he said this. He said, if there's a formula for a happy life, it's quite simple. Inhabit the moment. Someone else that you probably have heard of, her name is Mother Teresa, and she said this. She said, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. It really is profound that often we can be thinking about tomorrow, but here's the reality. Tomorrow never comes. When you get to tomorrow, guess what? It's today. So we have to live every day with purpose. Our hope is not 
found in tomorrow. Our purpose is not found in tomorrow. It is found today. And when we step into tomorrow, it becomes today and we have purpose, not because it was waiting for us, but because we have Christ in us and we bring that purpose with us wherever we go. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 through 24 says this. It says, whatever, everyone say whatever, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, everything you do matters if you do it unto the Lord. When you keep him your focus, when you're following Christ is your one thing, everything you do matters. I love this quote by a uh, seminary professor and author. His name is Sheng Yang Tan, and this is what he says. A better aim for one's life, instead of doing great things for God, is to do things for a great God. I love that. I love that. I've been wrestling with that quote in my own life because I do want to do great things for God. But God honestly has never asked us to do great things for him. He wants us to do everything for him. Everything that is in our hand. Everything that is in our hand. When you read through scripture, you see time and time again, Men and women just doing ordinary things that God would use. A boy with his loaves and fishes just shows up with what he has, who just happens to be at the right place at the right time, and he gives what he has, and it's not enough. It will not meet the need that's in front of him. It will not feed all of the 5,000 people, but he gives what he has, and he presents it to Jesus, and when he gives what he has, what's in his hands, Jesus does something great with it. Moses is standing at the Red Sea and it looks like there's no way to to get through because there's a sea in front of him and Pharaoh and his army is behind him. And then what what does he do? He takes what's in his hand and God says, lift it up. And when he takes what's in his hand, God uses it to part the Red Sea. What is in your hand? What is in front of you? Every day matters. Romans chapter 12, verse one, the message paraphrase says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. That's pretty ordinary, right? And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do. So we leave the baggage of our past in the past. We live for God's purposes in the present. And lastly, Lean into God's purposes for your future. Lean into God's purposes for your future. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God has a future for us. We're not to live in that future. We're not to be distracted by that future. We're to live in today, but we are to take hope. We are to take hope for what the future has for us. But to put it more clearly, our hope is not in the future. Our hope is in the one who holds the future. Our hope is not in the future because if you put your hope in the future and you begin to have all these expectations, you will have unmet expectations. 
But if you put your hope in the one who holds the future, regardless of what happens, regardless of what this next year holds, regardless of what your future holds, you will be satisfied because your, your hope was not in all the particulars and the details of the future, but your hope was in the one who holds the future. And when things come your way, you can put your hope and your trust in God that he is in control. We have hope for the future. We live for the purposes and the promises that he has for our future. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13 says this. The prophet Jeremiah spoke this, and I believe that God is speaking to us through his word because his word is live and active to us today. So receive this as a word for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God has a future for you. God has a plan for you. And if you're taking notes, the promise is of his plan. His plan. Notice it says, the Lord declares, I have a plan for you. It's not about your plans. You can make your plans. You can set your goals. You can have your New Year's resolutions. Those things are fine. But let me tell you something. This next year, 2020, I can promise us, if, if history is anything like the future, this next year will be filled with surprises. Things that we didn't plan. Do you realize I'm living in a completely different state than I was at the beginning of 2019? And I had no plans on living here. I had different plans. But God had his plan. And my, my job is to yield to his plan. Not my will, but yours be done. God, you have plans and I know they're good and I can trust you. And I'll prepare and I'll do diligence and I'll do what I can. But I, ho I hold my plans with open hands, trusting that you know what's best for us. Trusting, God, that you use the detours. You use the unmet expectations. You are ultimately in control. The second promise that we have for our future is the promise of his presence, of his presence. So again, this year will be filled with surprises, and we have no idea where 2020 is going to take us and where we're going to end up and the things that are going to happen, the highs and the lows. But one promise we can take hold of is that God is with us. God is with us. God will be there. God is there already in our future. See, that's the thing about God. He's omnipresent. He stands outside of time. He can be both with you in your present and with you in your future, waiting for you. God, his presence is with us. So as we close, I want to encourage us, as we head into this new year, to make it about the one thing. Following Jesus. Pursuing God. Make it all about him. God, what do you want to do in me? What are the plans that you have for me? And when you set those goals, when you set those New Year's resolutions, when you begin to make your plans, then may it be driven by a pursuit of God 
and, and presenting it and holding it with open hands before him, said, God, not my will, but yours be done. Have your will. Have your will. Because Jesus is the prize that we're running after. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our pursuit. And let's keep him as our one thing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that as we look ahead into this new year, and although we may not know what the future holds, we know that you hold the future. And help us to not be distracted by the things of this world, but help us to chase after you, to grab you by the hand and to walk into all that you have for us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.